You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. It's just kind of the culmination of spring for us. I just wanted to see some guys have a chance to play in front of the fans. What an awesome fan base we have for that many people show up early in the spring like this and watch and, and the environment. It's great being back around them. Uh, and I just want to get off the field healthy. Uh, and I think we did that too. So we've seen 14 practices, guys doing what they need to do and, and the schemes that, that we're running uh, today was just kind of about showcasing some of that to the fans and uh, finishing spring ball the right way. It was about going out, running the offense, and uh, really just getting out of the game healthy was the main thing we were trying to accomplish today. I wanted to complete every pass. I was close, but that kind of was the goal to come out today, just run the offense and get out of the game healthy. You know me, I'm not going to crown anybody until, and then usually with all the reps we get, it's pretty clear at the end of that. Uh, Chubba missed a lot of time. It's had some good practices late in spring ball, and there'll be a lot more reps for everybody to make a decision. All right, here, welcome to this edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan and Robin Washett as spring football in the books. And, man, it just feels early. I mean, we're done with spring on April 9th. Um, kind of got a long month ahead now with classes wrapping up and potential roster movements coming. Um, but yet 54,000-plus fans at the red-white game. It won't be the most in the country. I can tell you Georgia is going to sell theirs out. Uh, kind of a national championship celebration. All the money on tickets goes to charity. Uh, but I'd venture to guess Nebraska will probably have second, third, fourth best spring game attendance in the country. Not bad, Robin Washett, for a two-handed touch spectacular Saturday football game. Yeah, especially considering uh, what the past few years with this program have been uh, and the format of the spring game being what it was uh, to get that many people to pay 10 bucks to come watch that uh, is about as impressive of an accomplishment as you're going to find in the country. And so that's what you also got to take into account, where a lot of these spring games are free, where Nebraska still charges money for it. Was it was $20 to walk up. Yeah, so yeah, at the gate, 20 bucks, 10 bucks in advance. So um, that makes it even more impressive. That wasn't just 54,000 people. It was 54,000 people that paid money to go uh, attend that event. Well, and it's not just the spring game. I mean, there's so much built around the spring game between a baseball game and a softball series and basketball recruiting visitors, former player gatherings, and um, obviously the recruiting element. So it is an extremely important weekend for Nebraska. Um yeah, I think we all wish that there's a way you could spice up the game and, and mm-hmm. make it a little bit more entertaining. We only saw the starters play nine snaps on offense. Uh, they went two series. They didn't do very well. They said, we'll give you a third series. And then they um, scored a touchdown on an Anthony Grant handoff on the third series. So mm-hmm. On the first play. On the first play. So it, it you know wasn't really much of a sample size. That's what, I have a hard time, Robin, and I wrote this after the game. Like, what did we learn? Nothing. Like, we really didn't learn much in this game at all. Yeah, I mean, one, my post-game story was 10 things we learned. I did not learn 10 things from that game. We had to get creative. We had to get creative. In all honesty, uh, I did not learn 10 things and probably nowhere even close to that. But, uh, I mean, that's just kind of the reality of what this entire spring was. I mean, we didn't even get to watch our 30 Photos. minutes of, uh, you know, the beginning stretching portion of practice. Like, this was as locked down of a spring as we've – experienced in, in a while uh, and I, that is entirely by design um you know because for one that's just kind of how frost operates but especially with this year and so much newness around the program um there's clearly an intent to keep uh, as much as possible behind the curtain as they can to not only you know keep uh uh, what they're doing under wraps, but keep Northwestern guessing uh, with a, a week zero matchup. So, you know, I, I understand that part of it. It doesn't make it 
any less frustrating for the fans, you know, that, that come out there and um, get excited for, for the spring game event and then have to watch, you know, plays being whistled dead after a guy gets one hand on him. Like, so that, that I think is frustrating for a lot of people, but again, as far as like the actual football and how it pertains to this coming season is concerned, I can at least understand the thought about why Nebraska did what they did. And Nebraska obviously opens week zero. And, and one of the reasons why the spring game was so early, they tore the field turf out. So if you go into Memorial Stadium right now, it's just a barren field. Um, they're trying to get that turf down for the May graduation ceremony. It forced the calendar up for football, though, two weeks. Um, so winter conditioning got cut two weeks short. And they, they came out and had practice. Um, ideally, they probably would have been playing the spring game the weekend after Easter um, in extended winter conditioning. And somebody asked that this week um, to me, like, well, can't they still lift weights? Sure, but it, it's a different kind of lifting. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would probably be the one negative, having to start spring so early. The positive is recruiting. Uh, they will be out on the road the day one. You can go out, which is April uh, 15th. I do want to get to one other comment here from Scott Frost. So, Robin, he talked about the quarterback. I'm not ready to crown anybody yet. And I, I think it's so easy to say, oh, it's Casey Thompson. Let's move forward. And, and that's probably where it's heading, um, but still very interesting that he wants to kind of keep this thing open, mainly because we don't know much about Heinrich Harburg yet or Chubba Purdy particularly, who really only practiced about one week this spring. Yeah, I think Chubba's the real X factor there uh, with how much time he missed in spring. Um, and he was playing catch-up for you know the back half of, of spring ball, and you saw flashes of why he was a priority transfer target for Mark Whipple. I mean, at Pittsburgh and, you know, here as well, uh, that, you know, he, he does a lot of things that fit what Nebraska wants from their quarterback position. So, you know, maybe uh, with full summer staying healthy, uh, you know, continuing to learn the offense and acclimate himself around here, that gap that we saw between Casey Thompson and everybody else might close up a little bit. Um, and that goes for the other guys too with Harburg and maybe even Smothers to an extent. But um, I think that was probably one of the biggest unfortunate developments of spring was that Casey Thompson didn't get the competition that they wanted. And it was basically he was the guy and everybody else was playing for the number two spot. And they made the moves they did in the offseason by taking Torres and taking Purdy and taking Thompson – to create a quarterback battle, to have legitimate quarterback competition with Logan Smothers here and Heinrich Harburg already here, and it just never materialized. Um, and and you know, there's just not a lot of time now to stage this, um, how they want to do this going forward. But uh, there's no doubt Thompson is in the driver's seat. Um, I, I still think we don't know much about the guy, though. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I will say he is smaller when you see him in person than I think you're expecting as a quarterback. Um, can he make the pro throws in the pocket uh, Mark Whipple wants? Can he get the ball downfield at the level Mark Whipple wants? Those are things that we just didn't really learn in the spring game uh, because of the format. And can this offensive line protect him, too? Because uh, mm. they didn't do a very good job. But, you know, the guys that should be out there weren't out there. And Teddy Prohaska, Turner Corcoran. Um, but, yeah, the left tackle of that line, I mean, Garrett Nelson just destroyed that left side of the line. Yeah, so is it the pass rush is really good or the offensive line is really bad? <laughs> That's kind of the uh, how you uh, how you want to debate that, that spring game is uh, you know, going to dictate the course of the conversation of the offseason. So, sure, it's good that the defensive line looked good. And Garrett Nelson looked fantastic. Uh, they were able to get three sacks and constant other pressures. Um, I think they they forced Thompson uh, to scramble on the the second pass drop back and then sacked him on the third. So you know clearly they were doing it from the jump against what was at the time 
the top offensive line. So um, that is going to be a major question mark. It doesn't matter who the quarterback is. If he's running for his life on every play, you know, we, we've seen how that usually ends up. It doesn't matter what skill position you have around uh, the quarterback. If he doesn't have any time in the pocket, uh, it's, it's not going to go well. So that is uh, very much a question that continues to need uh, answers. We'll see if they do any further uh, additions through the transfer portal over this summer um, on the offensive line, but a lot of work uh, and questions still remaining uh, on, on that front. And then finally, a lot of money things announced this weekend. Uh, first, Nebraska's collective, ABM, um, who we do a lot of interviews with and content on our, our different podcasts and YouTube channels. Uh, they announced Friday that they've paid out $850,000 um, and over 450 NIL deals since launching really in August. Uh, but they have now $3.5 million committed to future NIL deals. Um, then you had Nebraska on Saturday announce a new um, academic initiative that everyone's doing in the country. This is not just Nebraska. I know Illinois has already announced this, and a number of others are, are going to. Um, but every athlete, as long as they have academic progress towards graduation, will essentially get um, an additional 500 bucks a month, $6,000 a year, um, to their stipend check or to their scholarship check. Um, so right now a scholarship athlete would get about 1300 That would go up to about 1800 And then they, the university, and, and this one kind of confused me, they announced a partnership with an NIL um, company or a branding company or social media company, um, but I still don't quite understand what it meant, Robin. Um, did you get a better idea of what that meant? I mean, I just kind of took it as another uh, outlet that's going to help with uh, the whole NIL experience with branding with uh, opportunities uh, i think i saw somebody on the board i think put it pretty well where like you know the abm is focusing more like on local businesses whereas maybe this one is on a national level uh so, makes more sense so like for like the the big national brands you know the, the, the degree deodorant thing like adrian martinez had like maybe those types of opportunities this company will help facilitate those whereas um, you know, the, the others like ABM are going to do it more at a local level. What well, Open Doors does that too already on, on a national. So mm-hmm. there's just a lot. NIL is just getting bigger by the day, and that's really what it comes down to. I mean, a lot of different things announced on that front. But uh, when we come back, we're going to talk offensive storylines here coming out of the spring. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Hi, it's Sean Callahan with Husker Online. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones and see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com slash built for us. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Two series was actually probably what, what I was told, but, um, you know, after two series, we didn't we didn't score, so you know I thought maybe go out there for a third series, but it was out of my control. I just I do what the coaches tell me to do, and uh, I've gotten a lot of throws throughout spring ball. You know I've thrown you know 200 to 300 pass attempts you know during spring, and so really just try to get out there and, and like I said, just throw a few passes uh, with the first team offense, and then get out of the game healthy. It's trash. <laughs> I want to play. I, 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 I want. I want to play a lot of football, but you know it is what it is. Uh, you want to keep everybody, keep everybody healthy and stuff like that. So I understand the concept, and uh, you know I'm saying just gotta go with it. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washed. And before we get into some offensive talk, 
Coming out of spring football, this segment of the Husker Online Show is brought to you by the 2022 Aer Lingus College Football Classic, August 27th, Dublin, Ireland, Nebraska Northwestern, Aviva Stadium. Still plenty of time to get your trip um, set up and lined up. Uh, visit the website huskers2ireland.com. They have trips and packages that would get your hotel rooms, your transportation, your game tickets. Uh, they can even assist you with airline options from different airports. Uh, that's huskers2ireland.com. Robin and I, we're all booked. Uh, we're actually going to fly through Chicago, Lincoln to Chicago, right into uh, Dublin, and we're going to be out there for the entire week uh, with the Huskers, and we're inviting you to join us as well at huskers2ireland.com. And Robin uh, may or may not have already scheduled our tour to the Jameson Whiskey Plant. Yeah, because you said the Guinness kind of was what it was. Oh, like they're, the, they're both good. The but Jameson one. Like, if you're going to do one, that was my uh, enjoyable. See, I mean, that's, that's why that scouting report was so valuable. We don't have to, you know, waste our time. We've only got so many days there. We got to maximize it. And I only had, for the record, one drink in Jameson. I had a very, very good old fashioned. Nice. It was like noon. <laughs> but you're in Ireland. I mean, basically, it's, you know, like in Cancun. It's like five o'clock all day, <laughs> but all right, let's um, get into the spring game. And we hit on this earlier about quarterbacks, Robin, uh, but man, Chubba Purdy kind of just gave you a couple of those. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. I mean, just like, mm -hmm. all right. And even Heinrich Harburg at times with his arm strength and his size and his running ability, you know, those are the two mysteries of spring to me at quarterback um, and, and what they brought. And, I just think the quarterback position, it does it. It's it's supposed to be a complete picture with uh, with with um, Casey Thompson, but is is it really fully complete? That's what we don't know. Yeah, I mean, just because there was really no uh, no heat put on him over spring ball, so you know, I, I think that's something that uh, was, like I said, one of the more unfortunate parts of of spring was that there really wasn't much of a, a QB battle, and a lot of that had to do with Chuba being out with that that foot injury and the fact that when he did return, he kind of had to reacclimate and uh, kind of just get his feet back under him, no pun intended. Uh, but you saw the, uh, the flashes of, of what he could be once he is finally settled in firmly to, to this offense and, and fully healthy. And so, you know, the hope is that that will continue. And when they get back to work, um, you know, here this fall, uh, maybe that will put a little pressure on Casey Thompson because I mean I don't care who you are, uh, you need somebody else to push you to make you better. And Casey didn't have that this year. I mean, no no offense to the other guys in that room, but um, you know that was a, a pretty large gap between uh, the perceived number one and everybody else. And until that changes, you just wonder how much progress is actually going to be made for Casey. You know, another uh, guy to watch. Um, or position to watch Robin is running back. I, I think when you look at that running back position, um, you know, three guys rep number one for the most part all spring at different times, Ramir Johnson, Jacques Wajian, and then Anthony Grant. And Jacques, and then um, uh, Gabe Irvin didn't practice because he's coming off the knee injury. Uh, but they have options there. And everyone's going to go back to that run that Anthony Grant had. And he might have been touched. I don't know. Uh, but it was a hell of a run, and it was going to be a touchdown in a real football game, mm -hmm. no matter what. Uh, but I thought the catch he made on that third down, too, he's a versatile back. Yeah, and I think that's going to be a big component. Uh, this, I was going back and just kind of looking through some old quotes from the coaches, and I, I came across one from Brian Applewhite talking about what he wants from his his backs, and there's there's three 
components. Obviously, you got to be able to run the ball, uh, but being a receiver and being a pass blocker are almost equal value in that uh, conversation about you know who's going to separate from the pack. And Anthony showed a lot, I thought. Certainly, as a receiver. You know, couldn't really gauge much with the the pass blocking, but uh, you know, I, I think that's something to watch there. Where you know, we're looking for somebody to emerge from this pack, and you know, Anthony sh- certainly showed um, you know two of the three most important dynamics that this staff wants in, in their full time back. But I'll also say it is impossible to gauge and evaluate a player like Jacques Yant when you're not tackling. I mean, like he's the type of guy that cannot play two hand touch football. Like he's, he is a tackle football and the type of player that is going to do 90% of his work after contact. So, you know, I don't put much of any stock in the running game, you know, outside of a few, you know, flash plays here and there. Uh, but certainly, you know, the glimpses we did get were encouraging for the most part. You're listening here to the Husker online show as we talk offensive storylines and, you know, receiver, another one of those positions, um, and and you, if you listen to our Husker Chat Live post-game, spring-game show, Casey Thompson said they only really called six pass plays with the number one offense. He had four attempts. He was three of four. He was sacked on one, and I think he fell down on, a, on another play. Mm-hmm. Um, but a couple of those were actually going to be shots to Trey Palmer down the field, um, but it, it was covered up. So we didn't really get to see – kind of what these receivers were at their full glory in that format. So that's another position I think you couldn't really say, wow, you know, because we didn't really get enough with those receivers. Yeah, and just the offense as a whole. I mean, they weren't going to show anything crazy, like really give any glimpses as to what, uh, you know, this passing attack is going to look like, what what Casey Thompson can and can't do uh, with it with his arm. And so, you know, I think, that I'm not overly surprised with. And um, I think the fact that Scott Frost said the running game was what he said, dreadfully simple. Like, so, I mean, like clearly that was the full intent of this game was to make the offense as boring and predictable as <laughs> physically possible. Uh, so it was, you know, the, the consequence to that, all these guys have been hearing the rage reviews about with Trey Palmer and, um, you know, Omar Manning, all those types of guys, you know, they didn't really get to show much just because of the nature of the way the game was played. You're listening here to the Husker line show. As we wrap it up, um, offensive line, Robin, we really don't have a clear picture because of those two guys being out, but I'm so intrigued of center. If Trent Hickson, you know, and he got a really Nice boat of confidence from Scott Frost after the game. Ethan Piper was out with an injury. Um, so when you look at the center position, is it Trent Hickson? Is it Corcoran moving to center because they have a better right tackle option? That's what we don't know. But I think at least today, it feels like it could be Trent Hickson. Yeah, I mean, I think that was one of the the real questions just because of the the ripple effect that conversation was going to have on the entire offensive line if if Trent Hickson was going to be good enough that kind of leads to the answers to what happens with say a Turner Corcoran or or maybe even a Bryce Benhart or whatever it is uh, all the movement that potentially might have needed to happen if they didn't have the answer at center on their roster uh, maybe those those questions got answered a little bit this spring Um, especially with the the way Scott Frost made it a point to to rave about Trent Hickson, uh, you know, may, maybe that's uh, going to give you a little bit more stability at that spot that uh, will let them focus on all those other pieces, those moving pieces, uh, you know, kind of give, give it a little bit more of a, a narrowed focus going into the summer. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk defensive storylines out of the spring. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. 
This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Yeah, that was the biggest thing for me uh, last year. The last kind of um, peg, I guess, in my game was pass rush and being faster and being quicker um, off the get off and off the ball. Um, that was the one big big thing I focused on, definitely emphasized by coaches. Been working on that. I, uh, I think statistically, I gained 10 pounds of muscle and lost like 4% of body fat. Um, just eating correctly, taking it uber serious and emphasizing those points of my game, trying to get better. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. That was a very lean and mean version of Garrett uh, Nelson um, in the uh, spring game Saturday. Sean Callahan, Robin Washad as no doubt. I think when you rank the players on this defense right now, today, Garrett Nelson's the number one guy. Yeah. And, you know, maybe a Luke Reimer could have something to say about that, but he's not practicing right now. And maybe a Ty Robinson could get there. Uh, but today, right now, Garrett Nelson is the face of that defense. He's probably a Big Ten media guy, days guy for no Nebraska. Question. No question. Um, captain. Captain. I mean, he he is the guy. And the steps that he's done to get his body right. And, you know, he's an old wrestler. So, you know, those wrestlers are disciplined with how they diet and what they do. And you heard that. He's gained 10 pounds but lost 4% body fat. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's all, like you said, diet. I mean, you can go in the weight room all you want, but – to really make that transformation as far as you know, getting lean uh, it's, it's bolstering your athletic performance. It, it comes down to nutrition and, you know, Nebraska has always done a great job of really trying to emphasize that. But a lot of times it's, it's up to the players to take it to that next level because, you know, you're not always at the facility. The training table is not always there preparing your meals. It's, you know, what are you doing at 10 o'clock at night? Are you going getting fast food or are you, you know, asleep already? You know, those, those are the types of differences that I think separate a lot of players. And Garrett Nelson clearly has made it uh, his goal to do all of those extra things to the fullest of his abilities. And I mean, with what we saw, granted is a, a shell of a spring game and you don't know what, how good the offensive line was. He looked fantastic. That was as fast as we've seen him come off the edge. He was disrupting almost every pass play that he was in, uh, you know, got two sacks, uh, you know, really looked like a different player. And if he can be that type of guy for them, you know, especially against, you know, uh, the regular season competition they're going to face, that's going to be such a huge boon for Nebraska, especially if they can go add another complimentary pass rusher through the portal. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we talk defensive storylines for Nebraska. Uh, but, yeah, the portal. I mean, to me, the defense, when you lose two six-year senior safeties, a potential second-round draft pick corner, a potential – anywhere from third to fifth round pick nickel linebacker, Ben Stilley, who's probably at least going to get into a training camp. Um, you know, you've got a lot of holes to fill there. And even Will Honus, I mean, that's another guy mm-hmm. um, that they need. They, they now need to make up for. Um, so the portal is going to be a big part of this defense because they still need to kind of season this unit with two or three more parts. Yeah, I mean, and you just look at some of the guys beyond the – uh, the NFL, like a DeAndre Thomas, like how valuable would he be right now if, if he was still dialed in and, uh, you know, a, a part of that that rotation? So, you know, it's certainly uh, a lot of work remaining to be done on that side of the ball. Uh, I think that there was a progress on, on the other side made. Um, I think that they had some young guys kind of elevate their game and um, make their cases uh, over the course of spring to, to be in that starting conversation. Uh, but, you know, again, we don't know what other additions are going to be made. You know, going into the opening segment, you talked about where some of the transfer needs uh, might be. 
it was basically at all three levels. <laughs> and so uh, they they still have uh, an incomplete picture, but there were some glimpses of uh, of hope that you know some some guy, young guys have have risen to the occasion. You're listening here to the Oscar Line Show as we uh, wrap it up here on defensive storylines. That secondary, Robin, to me, still remains a mystery. Um, you know, they had the guys grouped differently really throughout the spring. Old guys, new guys. Uh, Tommy Hill, you know, I, I would assume is going to start, um, but Braxton Clark's going to factor, and we know Quinn Newsom's going to start. I mean, I think if you're going to like break down all the things we know. I think Quinn Newsom's going to start, and I actually think Marquise Buford's going to start. Mm-hmm. I think those two guys are starters. Miles Farmer, probably a starter, but no Paul Gates, Deshaun Singleton, Isaac Gifford has a role. That It's just so hard to get a really good handle on that group because I feel like they've got a lot of depth and competition still. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's interesting. Braxton Clark was the other starter opposite Newsom uh, on that first defensive series so you know this clearly shows that he is very much in that conversation despite as much uh hype and praise tommy hill got over the course of spring so uh, that's a good problem to have you know we talk about some of these positions where you know they just didn't have guys available to compete for jobs well that wasn't the case in the secondary i mean they they had their their main group battling it out all spring and you know travis fisher i think really enjoyed this spring because of that uh you know he saw a lot of guys that were competing for reps and you know when you have that level of competition within your room it's the old saying everybody gets better because of it and I think that that definitely was the case on the back end and now um, it will be interesting just to see how they make those decisions going forward um, because I think some of it too will be game to game depending on the opponent when when you play Iowa and Wisconsin you might be built differently on the back end than when you play Northwestern mm-hmm. um, and I don't think they're gonna have the luxury to have a Jojo Dolman a guy that can play all the snaps in that role. I think they're going to have to really move those parts around um, to kind of match up with the different opponents they play because they're, they're just not another JoJo Dolman. Right. And I guess the good news on that is, um, you know, I thought Isaac Gifford looked really good and Chris Kolarovic showed some flashes too. So, you know, those two guys, you know, you put Kolarovic in the in the heavier packages. You have Gifford with the, the pass-heavy packages as, as a true nickel these those at least look like on the surface two decent options. Neither of them are JoJo Doman, but I think together, um, all, you know, the collectively they they've got enough to work with that should at least ease the blow. That Kal- that Kalarvik move still kind of perplexes me because I think he could actually probably help them more at inside linebacker. Well, I know. You just talked about maybe needing another inside linebacker. And, they have one, and, and <laughs> he, he kind of you know cashes chips out to go to this position where we don't even know if he's truly a fit. But I think he was playing the long game, what would be the best for him. Um, but, yeah, he, he's there. You know, Jamari, I didn't mention this guy, but Jamari Butler was another guy that, yeah. that at least showed promise. Where, you know, when you talk about Caleb Tanner moving on, it feels like Caleb Tanner's been here for 20 years. Um, when he finally moves on, I mean, Jamari Butler looks like maybe the next guy for Caleb Tanner. Well, and he's, like Nelson, uh, a guy that I think really uh, kind of did, did some work this offseason on his own uh, you know Garrett Nelson after the game talked about how how much Butler had reshaped his body just like just like Garrett did and so those those are the types of things again they're separators and for guys that uh, are ever going to take that next step those are the types of things that need to happen so certainly good on Jamari for uh, putting in the work and, and having that dedication to to make himself better beyond just the uh, the, the clocking in and out of, of football practice all right when we come back on the show we're going to move the discussion over to the mailbag lots of post-spring questions from our users on Husker online of 
what's next for the Huskers. We'll address that and more in the mailbag. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Yeah, you know, the biggest applause all day, I think, was the bomb punt that uh, Brian hit, and rightfully so. Uh, I, I would have been clapping, too, if that hadn't been inappropriate. Kicking and punting, certainly, uh, we hope we're better this year, and the guys we have and the new guys coming in uh, need to figure it out and get that done. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, as uh, we put some final thoughts here on spring practice. It's time now for the mailbag segment, and joining us here in studio Husker Online's Abby Barmore um, as we had a post-spring mailbag. What do you have, Abby, to lead us off? When do you anticipate to start seeing some Husker players at the transfer portal? You get right to it, Abby. I mean, you don't even. <laughs> I try give, not to waste any time. I mean, you don't even give us like a softball. Um, <laughs> what was your favorite memory of the spring game? Um, no, uh, I, the coaches were pretty much gone this week, uh, you know, and the players got a break. Uh, I know Coach Frost, I believe, was out of town. Um, so the exit meetings and those types of things, to my knowledge, none of that at least began this week. So, um, you know, they've got a whole month of the semester left and with finals and dead weeks and things coming. Um, so there's plenty of time. And Coach Frost will not be on the road recruiting because you're not allowed to as a head coach. Um, so that's what these next couple of weeks will be for. I would imagine those conversations begin as early as this upcoming week. I know it's always fluid, but right now, I mean, how much movement are you anticipating? Um, you know, you, you just got to look at positions and, and guys that really didn't play. And I don't want to get into names, but I, I think there's a couple offensive linemen probably, you know, will, will a quarterback move on? That's what we don't know. Would one of those running backs move on? Um, you know, Marquis Step, I'll say, is, is one that, that you just wonder where he's at in the big picture. Uh, I think at receiver, you've got a couple of potential people that may not be kind of in the, in the, in the cards. Um, so there's definitely, you know, a few names. I could think of at least one defensive lineman um, that, you know, would be a guy on that radar. So, yeah, it's a matter of how and when those conversations take place. Um, but I think Nebraska could take anywhere from three to five more transfer portal additions. Um, so it, they definitely, if they're going to do that, would need a few more guys to leave. Mm-hmm. Who impressed you the most from the spring game? Um, Garrett Nelson, I, I think, would be – and I'll just say one guy. I don't want to take all the guys <laughs> There's not that many. Um, from Robin. <laughs> but Garrett Nelson, to be in the limited sample size, he looked like a dude. I mean, he looked like a guy that could get eight sacks this year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was clearly the star of the game. Um, you know, we didn't. It's hard to really evaluate any of those top offensive players just because of the way the game was. But the, I will say, the burst that Anthony Grant showed on that touchdown run. Like, I get that. Whatever he got through the the first line, but then that that extra gear to beat defensive backs to the end zone. Um, that was impressive because that was an element of his game that. Uh, I don't think people kind of talked about enough. They kind of viewed him more as like a, a power type back, but he does have next level speed. That was good to see. Uh, but the guy that I really walked away with impressed was Isaac Gifford. Um, he made a couple of really nice plays and coverage uh, that showed, and he just had good size to him. Um, he really looked the part of uh, a, a true big 10 nickel. So I'm definitely pleasantly surprised with him. So after Garrett Nelson, I'll go Gifford. What positions are Nebraska looking to add transfers in? Um, I, I think if, I were kind of putting together a list. The, I mean, the big ones are on defense. Defensive line, they want a pass rusher. That's pre- preferably Ochon Mathis. 
And then they would like another defensive line body, but a bigger body, an inside body that would take on two. They would take a right tackle, I think. I think they'd be interested. Um, it's a matter of do they really think Trent Hickson's the center as well? Mm-hmm. Um, because they, they praised him after the game. Um, so are they high enough on him to say he's going to be the center and Corcoran probably the right tackle? Inside linebacker, they'd probably take a guy that could play 30 snaps a game if they could find that guy. And then I think they would look at a tight end, a one-for-one older tight end that could go with what you have just because the track record with Chris Hickman and Travis Volkolek and Thomas Fedoni um, has all been injuries. Like none of those guys have really played a full season of football ever at Nebraska uh, because of different injury reasons. Yeah, but it's it's obvious both sides of the line of scrimmage need to be addressed and just have – have some more bodies. Um, certainly defensive line is the top priority. Um, pass rusher is the 1A. Interior D-line is 1B. And I probably put offensive line um, right next on that just because, you know, I think they, they have a little bit more to work with on the O-line, but there's still, you know, some, some real question marks about just how that next group is going to develop. And then obviously uh, what the presumed starters that sat out this spring what they're going to look like when they return from those injuries so just a lot of unknowns up front and having a little bit more established depth to work with uh would certainly be a good thing how do you feel about nebraska's chances of landing ochon mathis i mean i think they've done everything they can to get ochon mathis i mean i I think they're in a really really good spot uh with ochon so we'll see where it goes from here i mean I, i think it was smart for nebraska to have his mom here, uh, to have his brother here, and some other additional friends and family on the visit. The more people that you can get on board to get up to Lincoln, Nebraska, see Lincoln, Nebraska, and enjoy Lincoln, Nebraska, that is Nebraska's best chance because when your support blanket is on board with it, it's a factor. And I I don't know if if he would have just come up here with just his brother or just his mom. you know, It would have been harder, but I think they've got a chance – there's no doubt Texas is, is you know, some people say the perceived leader. So we'll see kind of where it goes from here. I know the RSS sleuths on the topic of his close network did some digging, and his mom has been all in N on Nebraska <laughs> uh, on Twitter, you know, following a bunch of Husker fans and coaches and, and players and, you know, reacting and retweeting and interacting with, uh, you know, different Nebraska tweets uh, about Ochan. So, it seems like uh, at least one very important member of his family network is uh, very much in on Nebraska. Robin, do you think there are going to be any guys that leave Nebraska's basketball program? Well, obviously, um, still waiting on official word from both Latman and Trey McGowan's. I've said before, I think Latman's gone. I think he goes plays professionally in Australia. Uh, Trey McGowan's is very much 50-50, and I would imagine – also, that uh, Nebraska needs to get an answer from him uh, pretty soon. I would mat- I, I think that they're gonna, probably going to sit down and really kind of talk this out next week uh, and just kind of get a real feel for it Just because Nebraska needs to know if they have another scholarship to fill. Uh, the signing day is Wednesday, and uh, they got some work to do if they're going to have two open scholarships. So beyond that, right now, no, I don't think so. I mean, you never close the door on the transfer portal, especially in college basketball. Uh, we've had guys leave as late as August, so literally never say never. Uh, but right now it kind of seems like the roster is, is as we know, it is going to be set. And it's just a matter of if they need to replace both lat and Trey or just lat. We got time Abby for, uh, probably two more. Any word on Nebraska's current offensive line transfers? 
Um, you got two, obviously, Hunter Anthony and Kevin Williams. And I would say right now it's a safe bet. Both are, are projected number twos. I think of the two that – I think the one that could potentially win a job or have a chance to is Kevin Williams. I think he's pushed Nuri Noelli at least this spring. I just don't see Hunter Anthony beating out Prohaska or beating out Corcoran um, if Corcoran moves to right tackle. So um, I would see him probably as a two with Kevin Williams with an outside chance of maybe – being on the field and winning a job. Yeah, we heard a lot about Kevin. Um, you know, obviously only got to see snippets of him in the spring game, but, uh, you know, he, I think, really impressed more than a lot of people thought uh, with, with what he was able to bring. So certainly he's in that conversation, um, more so, like you said, than, than Hunter Anthony. But, again, for an offensive line that needs as much depth as possible, Anthony, I think, will be an important piece to that O-line rotation going forward. All right, final question, Abby. What is your craziest recruiting story involving a parent? <laughs> I've had a few um, over these years. And, you know, I, I, I remember one time I wrote a story of a guy coming in that he probably projected as a red shirt as a freshman. And the parent literally called and screamed at me. And, and the, guy, the guy actually never saw the field at Nebraska. Um, it never played at all because of different injuries or whatnot. Um, so that, that's one, um, this one didn't involve me, but I was in the room for it. Mike Farrell, um, when he was with rivals and we were covering the army all American bowl, we were working together in a room and he wrote something about a quarterback from Chicago, kind of ripping his throwing style or ripping something about him. Well, that kid's dad came up to our room and knocked on the door <laughs> and and that was interesting to be in my early mid twenties, seeing that kind of go down. I would have been like twenty five or twenty six, and if the quarterback, if I remember right, was Jake Christensen. He started for Iowa. He's a Chicago kid. He was kind of one of those Tom Lemming recruits. But his dad didn't like what Mike wrote, and he came up to the room and and wanted to talk to Mike Farrell. And it it, it was it ended up being fine, but it was kind of a a flex. Sure, yeah, <laughs> that's definitely staking your your territory on that. Uh, so with college basketball, if you want to hear or see a weird recruiting, uh, situation with a parent, just go to any AAU tournament and you're going to see, um, a few weirdo parents that take things way too far or constantly screaming. Uh, but I've been to a couple where, uh, a parent had to be restrained by like the, his kids teams, coaching staff from fighting a ref during a game. And like they stopped the game and basically just called it off mid game because this parent made such a big scene. So, uh, you know, that they call it AAU bingo for a reason, because you're going to see all sorts of stuff. And crazy parents are very much a, a prominent part of that. Yeah. When you mix like suburb AAU with like street, mm -hmm. it gets pretty interesting. I'm oh, sure. yeah. yeah there, there's some characters <laughs> for sure that show up, especially when you get to like the EYBL high level. Um, I mean. <laughs> lots of lots of earpieces and tracksuits. You meet a lot of uncles. Yeah, exactly. A lot of uncles. <laughs> All right. Well, that wraps it up here for the mailbag. When we come back, we'll close the show with some basketball talk. The Huskers had a visitor in town. Uh, they've made some more offers. Robin will update us on that and more. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of this post Spring game Husker Online show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, as we move things forward. It's recruiting now for football as uh, they will go on the road from April 15th until May 31st. 
Coaches get what's called the spring evaluation period. It will be the first spring evaluation period in the NCAA since 2019, Robin. Crazy. That's that's insane. So coaches have literally not been able to do spring recruiting um, since before Nebraska's 2019 season. Because in 2020, it got shut down. In 2021, it got shut down. Um, So it's... It's big. I mean, Nebraska will be able to utilize those six weeks. They can't do in-home visits with kids. It's, um, they almost should, though, allow it because, like, a lot of these guys are going to decide soon mm-hmm. where in-home visits don't even matter. Um, but they'll be out, and they could bump kids. Uh, but you're allowed to visit a high school twice. One is a athletic evaluation visit, meaning they go in and they lift weights or PE class or track meets. The other is a academic visit and you like meet with the counselors and get their grades. So a lot of the prime targets for Nebraska will probably get two staff visits. I would imagine there's going to be a lot of time spent around the state because you have so much time. Normally Nebraska wouldn't have all six weeks like they're going to have because spring ball would have gone a little bit later, Uh, but they're going to have the full six weeks. Um, You can't go out every day. You're only allowed so many days. So it will probably parcel out to like four days a week, three days a week per coach. Uh, Mark Whipple won't go out much. I mean, he he's a quarterback guy for the most part. But, okay, let's get into basketball recruiting, Robin, primarily transfer portal recruiting. Uh, the Huskers hosted a big visitor this weekend. Um, what were your thoughts on, on, on how the weekend went? Yeah, so Antonio Reeves, the transfer guard uh, from Illinois State, uh, averaged over 20 points per game, one of the top scores, like top 20 scores, in the country last season. Uh, so Nebraska, you look at kind of what their roster uh, is right now, um, and that void left by Bryce McGowans is the kind of the go-to scorer uh, on the wing at that you know two-guard spot uh, is kind of right up there at the top of their list. And so Antonio certainly uh, addresses that, and Nebraska made it uh, very clear to him that he is their number one priority in the transfer portal. They were able to get him to Lincoln for his very first official visit since entering the portal uh, at the end of March. And they rolled out the red carpet. Um, all two of the three full-time assistants, um, Adam Howard and Armand Gates, who uh, Antonio has relationships with uh, pre-existing, uh, were, were in town. Um, they, you know, I think Armand was originally scheduled to go down to Orlando to scout during the, the first live period, but they Fred Hoiberg kept him in town to you know really... Uh, try to hammer that visit home. And uh, by all accounts, when I caught up with Antonio on Sunday, uh, was that you know, Nebraska did everything that they needed to do to get their point across. So uh, he came away very impressed, uh, you know, loved, obviously, uh, the the pitch of how he would fit into Fred Hoiberg's offense, you know, as a scorer and how he would be featured and, and all that good stuff. But I think he also was really attracted to what he said, how welcoming the program was, how uh, I mean, obviously the, the coaches were showing a lot of interest, but you know, the players that he was able to meet, you know, everybody was really cool to him and, and really wanted to, wanted him to join, uh, join the program. And then the fan support that, that he got, um, you know, taking in the spring game, watching 54,000 people come out to a practice. He said that the only, the only other sporting event that he saw that was of that magnitude with that many people in the stands was a Wisconsin football game when he went on an unofficial visit, uh, during his first round of recruiting process. So, um, certainly that, that made an impression on him. Um, the staff did what they needed to do and they, they laid it all out there that he is their guy. Now, um, on Sunday, he told me that he was still planning on taking, um, at least one more visit, uh, this weekend, but 
Uh, he said that he still didn't know where he was going to go. And uh, as of recording time, Wednesday afternoon, uh, I have not seen or heard anything about uh, that next visit. So, you know, you pair that with um, him saying he wants to make a decision here within the next three weeks. Uh, I'd say things are looking pretty good for Nebraska. Uh, and again, they've made it clear that he is their guy and he took his very first official visit to Nebraska. So it seems like there's a high level of mutual interest and um, we'll see if another visit gets added to uh, this process. But right now, I think Nebraska's in the driver's seat. Robin, who are the other teams that you really see as competition? Well, again, it, it comes down to who you visit. Because uh, if you look at just teams that have reached out, I mean, it's North Carolina, Kentucky, um, you know, Duke. And this is a day one starter, in your opinion. Oh, yeah, no question. No question in my mind. I mean, he, he's your starting two guard. Um, I mean, now tell me, maybe okay, three, depending I'm, on what Trey McGowan's I'm going to be cynical, half-empty Husker fan here. Kobe uh, Webster was like the leading scorer at a lower Division One team. Right. Like, what makes him better to fit in the Big Ten than like a Kobe Webster was when he came in as a transfer portal guy? Well, he's six inches taller. Uh, that helps. Check. <laughs> he's six foot six. Kobe was barely six foot, uh, and so that in itself. And you look at the the level of interest. Kobe Webster wasn't getting recruited by Kentucky and North Carolina and Wisconsin and all the Ohio State. Uh, go down the list, Florida State. Uh, so, I mean, I think that is the difference right there is uh, he's widely regarded, I guess, depending on where you look, as you know one of the top 20 transfer players out there. Uh, and, again, the list of schools that immediately expressed interest when he hit the portal shows how he's, saw, he's, he's viewed uh, at the high major level. So I think that's probably the biggest difference right there. For one, he's, he's physically bigger, um, longer, taller, uh, but – his his recruiting profile, his transfer recruiting profile is on a much higher level than Kobe's was. Kale Jacobson, Robin, was offered by North Dakota, and I know he had kind of the – That's his first D1 offer. Preferred walk-on opportunity, kind of the Charlie Easley plan at Nebraska. Do you think he takes the North Dakota offer and goes right to the summit, or does he consider the Nebraska – walk-on, which probably would have some NIL tied to it as well. Yeah, I mean, NIL, and then obviously um, as a preferred walk-on, just like Charlie was, uh, he would potentially be in line to be put on scholarship uh, like Charlie was. And so uh, that is very much a part of his interest in Nebraska. I mean, he saw what a guy in very similar shoes as what he's going through right now did and the opportunities for one, I mean, just to, to get the scholarship and play at Nebraska, but the doors that that opened for Charlie when he hit the transfer portal, uh, you know, obviously he was able to fit into a ideal situation at South Dakota State. So, you know, it's, it's kind of a, you look at it as a, a pathway, not just a, a final destination by taking a walk-on offer at Nebraska. So, uh, you know, I know that they've, they had him on campus for an unofficial visit. They, he really likes it. The staff really likes him. Uh, they think that he would be an absolute steal as a walk-on. So the question was, was what types of offers was he going to end up getting? I know that he's going to compete uh, with the team, uh, the uh, Nebraska Supreme AU program in this next evaluation period over the final weekend of April. And if he gets any more offers, that might alter the discussion. But, you know, honestly, if it comes down to North Dakota or play, being a preferred walk-on at Nebraska, I think Nebraska might might have a real shot there. Yeah, that'll be interesting. I mean, because it just seems like any Nebraska kid that goes to a Dakota, they don't go there because they want to. I mean, they go there because they're hoping to like maybe parlay it into something more, right? Well, or 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 do what Charlie did exactly. And so, I mean, Charlie turned down offers. He had I think like was it Liberty or, or some other schools that that were reaching out to him, and I think he had a couple 
D one. It was like a offers. God, what was a South Carolina VMI or what, like something like that? I, I can't remember, but it didn't really feel like a committable offer. Right, it, so, it just felt like a yeah. Hey, we're going to offer you, but it did. It never felt like that they were recruiting him. Yeah. So I mean, again, I think that's it's a very real opportunity that Kale's considering, and it'll just depend on what what offers he has as, as this from a scholarship standpoint by the end of the month. And uh, one last news to pa- pass along on the schedule. basketball front. Well, the, the schedule too, but they, they're hosting an unofficial visitor in the 2023 class this weekend in Caden Betts. He's a six foot eight and a half, uh, 210 pound forward from Pueblo, Pueblo, Colorado, uh, who is about to blow up in my opinion with his recruitment. Um, he's got four offers, I mean, Colorado state, Wyoming, Akron, uh, and Northern Colorado, but I think he's about to really take off. And it would not surprise me if he ends up with a Nebraska offer by the end of this visit. He's coming on Friday, uh, and you know Nebraska's been following him for a long time. Nate Lenzer's been the lead recruiter there, uh, and he's coming out on his own dime. And I would, like I said, I would not be surprised if uh, he doesn't leave Lincoln with an offer in hand. All right, well, lots to keep up with on Husker basketball, Husker recruiting, uh, with the coaches out on the road, and we'll. Uh, continue our post-spring wrap-up with plenty of roster news sure to come with, with transfer portal additions and guys that might be leaving the Husker roster. Make sure you're logged on to HuskerOnline.com. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.